You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Hello, everyone. Welcome to What the Dev. As you heard, I'm Dave Rubenstein, and I'm here with Chris Campbell and Juan Mazo of Vericode. Uh, and we'll be talking about uh, the importance of the developer role in making sure that uh, applications are secure. Uh, so first of all, welcome, fellas. Thanks for joining us here today. Thanks for having us. Mm-hmm. Our pleasure. So uh, we were talking a little bit before the before the call, and um, we're talking about how security always has been kind of a top-down initiative, uh, but maybe the uh, the industry is kind of now uh, flipping the script on that a little bit. And and I'm hoping, uh, you know, uh, Chris, I guess we can start with you. So how is it? Uh, how is it happening now that it's becoming more of a, uh, you know, a, a bottom wide initiative in terms of getting developers on board with doing security? Mm. Uh, so I think, you know, if I think back to when I joined Vericode, which was late 2014, um, a lot of the customers that we were working with at that time were. Uh, you know the, the conversations that we were having were were really with security teams. Um, it was often purely a CISO-driven initiative to start looking at application security and you know, the the wide uh, landscape of, of vendors that there are out there. And inevitably, there was a sense that security would choose the tooling and developers would use the tooling. And you could look at it, I suppose, from a top-down point of view. You could maybe say it was one team enforcing its requirements on another. Um, That, I think, worked to a certain extent when people were still doing waterfall development. Um, As people have, I think, realized the benefits, the the myriad benefits of taking a more agile and, and now DevOps approach to development, security... I think their requirements really don't fit in the same way um, with what developers' requirements are as as they used to. I think these days, if you are speaking to really any organization that is developing software, which which is most of them, they're talking about um, rapid releases, deploying into production or serverless type environments, in often minutes, you know, a developer makes a code change, checks it in, um, auto review through unit testing and the like happens, and then potentially a deploy into production with no human interaction. And the idea that security can just insert themselves into that in the traditional form with you know, lengthy processes around um, inspection and testing, it just doesn't really cut it anymore. Um, yeah. I'm certainly seeing um, far more new to Vericode customers, um, really the, the, the need being driven by the development teams themselves. So actually those, those first conversations that I have with those customers um, being conversations with developers rather than conversations with security. Um, I think really it's, it's just switched. I think people have realized that um, ultimately the people who should be doing the choosing of the of the product of the vendor are the ones who are using it on a on a day-to-day basis. Right. So so let me ask you so what do you think the uh, the impact then of of course not only just 
the shift away from waterfall, but kind of more, you know, the move to the cloud and, and Kubernetes and cloud native uh, methodologies and techniques, uh, I think moves security away from what had been a traditional security team, just because there were too many moving parts and too many smaller pieces. Uh, as you said, it's tough for them just to kind of jump in at any given spot because things are moving so quickly. So uh, Juan, I was wondering, uh, you know, if you have any thoughts on on that as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the way the technology is evolving, it all goes hand in hand, right? So you used to have hardware servers running web servers, and now we're all moving to the cloud. And security was kind of the same thing, right? IT would kind of pick the hardware, would pick the tooling. And now as developers are starting to take over everything more, um, they're going to see how the tools uh, need to really be more developer friendly because they're the ones who are actually executing and pulling on on everything, right? I, I mean, kind of to resonate what, what Chris was saying, in, in my past, I was actually in IT hardware, right? And I remember I was new to the whole DevOps thing. It wasn't even a thing at the organization I was at. I remember asking a software developer, uh, hey, don't you guys know secure development? And the, the person's answer was, uh, no, isn't that your job? And it was funny because at this org, security was up in the air um, until someone actually like took the, their hands and put it put it uh, and owned it, right? Um, but even then, it was like, oh, I thought you know someone else was going to tell us what to do. Um, but but now you're seeing that no, now if you go over there today, they're like fully on the cloud. They're uh, all automated, and now Veracode is 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 in such a way now that it makes a lot of sense to automate it and be owned by a developer. Mm -hmm. You're talking about automating security? Automating security the same way that you've automated the hardware deployments um, to now be like platform as a service. Right. Yeah. I think, I think for, you know, security teams have never been um, over-resourced. You know, it, it, it's still <laughs> hard to find good people um, in the security industry. And there's been a, a really seismic shift in the way that we think about applications in the last five years, um, as as more and more organisations have realised that there are significant benefits to using all of the the cloud services, whether it's you know just running an image um, through to actually using like the fully cloud native te te technologies, um, trying to keep up with all of the security concerns with all of those technologies is it's near impossible you know if you can show me someone who is a genuine expert in every single part of an application deployment these days i you know i jump at the chance to to speak and, and hire those kind of people because they're, they're just so rare yeah. um really i think you to make headway on this you really have to think about who are the people who understand the services that are being used the best and often it's the developers who are the ones who are making decisions about which services are being used so it, it kind of you know it, it feels to me like it's a lot easier to train a developer to give them the, the tools that they need to make their own assessments of security than it is to have someone do that on their behalf yeah. Um, you know, there's still a fairly vital role for security teams to play because ultimately those are the ones who are providing the guidance, um, the policies, you know, potentially the budget, probably more often than not, still the budget um, right. for those tools. But you know, the, the actual 
expertise, I think, needs to and is shifting from security teams into development teams. Yeah, that's an interesting point because developers are now being asked to do so many more things than they ever have in terms of uh, testing and governance and security and things they never really had to think about before. Mm. Uh, and and so our organizations now training developers on uh you know things like the OWASP list and and understanding what the vulnerabilities are so that they can sort of preempt it or there or are tools now being creative that can automatically if you write some code it will flag you and say this line will create a vulnerability or something like that yeah i mean that that stuff all exists um you know from the point of view of the the, the testing side of things absolutely there's great technology out there obviously including from Veracode um but we'll really fit into any point of the software development life cycle you're going to use different tools at different points depending on what it is that you're actually doing and how complete a scan you want how long you want it to take you know there's always a kind of a balance of what's the right technology at the right time right. i am definitely seeing more of a shift in the industry towards um meaningful developer education you know we we've all been i say we we the appsec industry have all been um, kind of throwing video type content e-learning at developers for a long time and that has its place but in terms of actually teaching people how to write secure code I think that there are better ways of doing that and you obviously see that through uh, the more interactive um, type tools that are out there these days mm -hmm. you know you got to think really developers are mostly I'm not going to tar them all with the same brush but they're they're mostly um, all fairly hands-on technical type people who usually enjoy learning through doing rather than learning through reading. So I think it makes more sense that these days we focus the kind of educational aspect on actually giving people systems that they can play around with in kind of a controlled environment um, and showing them, you know, hey, this is what a typical vulnerability that looks like. This is how you would fix it and um, just making it a bit more fun for them. Right. Interesting. So I know one of the points that you were making uh, also is that these tools need to, uh, the security tools need to find their way into the tools that developers live in and, and like to work in uh, so that it isn't too uh, onerous on them to to do these security types of uh, scans and tests and things like that. So how how is that going? I guess that's part of bringing developers on board to to want to to want to be involved in the security of their um, applications, right? I think it's a little bit of that because when when you look at it, there's um so there's kind of like a, a gap of knowledge for developers in some instances on security, um, and then even when you give the developers that knowledge, now there's a tug of war of resourcing for uh, feature requests versus security bugs, and so. It, it makes a lot more sense to, to enable the developers now. Um, and you see in the organizations more of that enablement. But there is definitely um, a, a gap that needs to be addressed because a lot of tools out there kind of tell you what is the, uh, what's the issue. But then I remember in the past sitting with developers being the IT guy and saying, oh, we have this report that says it's broken. And it took us two weeks to figure out that all we need to do is turn off like um, the older version of SSL or something like that on the web server. Yeah. So there, there is that gap, right? And even then you have to kind of justify it to management of, you know, hey, we need to put some time aside for the security bugs. And, and I think that's actually 
a bigger issue that we're in now is, you know, developers may be interested, but now we kind of, we kind of have to make the, uh, the business, uh, point to go ahead and say, Hey, we should, uh, probably do 10% less security features and probably move that to the security bug side things. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, think, Chris, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, I mean, from a technology point of view, um, I kind of think of security issues as something that really shouldn't be treated any differently to, to any other issue. You know, fundamentally, a security issue is something that typically needs a code change in the same way that any bug usually needs a code change. Um, it, you have to go through the right prioritization um, for security issues in the same way that you would do any kind of standard backlog grooming for, for new features, for bug fixes and the like. And part of that is typically a you know business risk assessment on whether or not that particular issue is something that that needs to be resolved given the you know the potential um, costs associated with it. And if you're trying to do that kind of work outside of the tooling that's already being used for those same kind of business impact assessments on on bugs and new features, I think you're, you're kind of creating duplic duplication really for no benefit. Um, I think we definitely see more and more, uh, again, new customer requirements um, these days around integration, not just with CI type tools, but more of the actual defect management um, tooling, um, which has been kind of one of those nice to haves for a lot of customers for a long time. I think it is definitely moving um, into the must have kind of category now. Um, yeah, so getting things in front of the right people, um, you know, the, the kind of boots on the ground developers and their ability to manage in their defect tracking systems and you know, having that kind of information feed into the more management type reporting is kind of critical, I think, to getting people to deal with security as you know just another part of application development instead of treating it as something um, that sits kind of on the outside or on the, the outskirts of the process. Mm -hmm. Very good. Uh, all right, listen, uh, Chris and Juan, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, I just want to let folks know that they can um, tune in on uh, December 2nd at 1 p.m. Eastern to uh, a webinar uh, that we'll be doing uh, jointly uh, for a deeper dive into this topic, and we'll uh, examine some of these issues uh, uh, again uh, at greater greater detail. So again, thanks for your time today and look forward to uh, uh, the presentation in a couple of weeks. Likewise. Sounds good. All right, great. Okay, so until next time, folks, I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of SD Times. So long for now.